Welcome back to another episode of Human Conversations with Kat, where we aim to challenge our current ways of thinking when it comes to equality and inclusion. In this episode, I'm speaking with Rebecca Halliday, a multifaceted panellist from our IWD event earlier this year. For those who don't know Beck yet, I won't spoil the surprise and I'll let her introduce herself. Listen in as we discuss what it really means to be on the journey towards reconciliation and cultural competency. How can we care for others and embrace equality by creating space and voices and choices? Grab a cuppa and let's find out. Hi, Beck. Welcome to Human Conversations with Kat. Yarama, hi. Thanks, Kat. Thanks for having me this morning. Oh, this is a conversation I couldn't wait for. So thank you for making time in your extremely busy schedule to join me. So... Uh, labels. I'm not a big fan of labels, so I'm not going to uh, introduce you, even though you deserve an introduction. I would like to know who is Beck Halliday, Rebecca Halliday, in your own words. Interesting question. Thanks, Kat. Um, well, very proudly um, Aboriginal woman from the mid-north coast of New South Wales. Um, more deeply, though, um, uh, a woman, um, a um, a fiercely loyal and accountable person, somebody who's very practical in the way in which um, she approaches life and um, is somebody who think that believes that that role is an important place to play in our broader community, um, mentoring others, lifting others, um, being part of uh, something bigger than themselves. Um, who else is there? A mum, a proud mum, a partner, uh, a family member, um, someone who has a disability that you probably do or don't realise, uh, and somebody who um, continues to learn, uh, mm. continues to observe, conti- continues to listen. And I would also add an inspiration to others. You're an extremely successful woman in your own right, successful you, person. And I think that's a part of who you are as well. And you, you, you mentioned mentoring, um, which is the flip side. You give to others, but others are inspired by you and your journey. I would add. I'm yeah. Thank you, Kat. I'm I'm deeply um, honoured by the breadth um, and diversity of people who um, have mentored, coached, and supported me in my life, mm-hmm. and continue to do so. And I think my success comes from the belief that they have in me, and often um, the courage that they um, help me have to to tackle some of the things that that I do. Um, and I think that that needs to be something that you you give to others as as is being given to you. Mm. Mm. And I love that in in your story and your identity, um, you know, you started with some of those those cornerstone characteristics that are so important to you. But but very quickly you went into being a caring person and someone who lifts others up. And I just think that is the beauty of when we can tell our own story and self identify. Of, of quickly starting in twenty twenty one to reject labels I'm not a fan of them I think they're starting to do a little bit more harm than good out there in this big wide world at the moment I would um I'd have to agree with you because I think one of the challenges we have is is that um unless we have either walked a mile in somebody's shoes or really have gotten to know them which Mm. as you and I both know isn't a surface level thing that's something it takes time and trust we we don't know who they are um, we don't know the experiences that they've had. We don't know the challenges that they're facing, whether that be on a daily or an ongoing basis. Um, <clears throat> and we certainly um, need to consider 
how we um, engage and interact to get the opportunity to get to know that person. Mm, absolutely. And and all of that involves a lot more listening than telling. And I, mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit of listening that's lacking out there at this point in time. Mm, it's a lot of noise. A lot of noise. So standing in your shoes, um, and we just talked about walking in someone else's shoes, what is the state of equality in your eyes in 2021 as we wrap up towards the end of the year how does it feel to you what do you look and see out there is is going on um equality for me I I still think um we're a long way from it uh on lots of different platforms so um more broadly um there's so many different areas where there's either a lot of talk so the noise on, you know, what is being done to address challenge, um, you know, take our nation, take our globe forward. Um, the action of that, I think, is a very different thing. So I won't try and unpack all of that. Um, I think that's a bit big for any of us on any given day, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. We need to unpack it in, in quadrants um, to, to really sort of get a, a sense of the, the variable challenges. But um if I was to talk equality from a First Nations perspective, I think it is around those things, around um, handouts, handouts, um, equal playing field. For me, equality in you know Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander sense is valuing the knowledge, valuing the innovation, the collective histories, um, valuing the way in which um, that person's perspective comes forward to to tackle some of the most complex problems. Um, And it's a merit-based system. Just because it doesn't look like the Western model of, um, you know, the way in which somebody presents, the way in which somebody um, looks at something or the way in which somebody goes about something doesn't mean it's not valid, doesn't mean it's not as good. Um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people aren't asking for a handout. They're asking for an equal playing field. And to create an equal playing field is is opening the door to the very best possible outcomes. Mm. The other part of equality for me is that um, it's not a First Nations people's responsibility to reconcile with Australia. Mm. Reconciliation is not a First Nations um, people's responsibility, accountability. It's it's everybody's. And this notion of reconciliation about, oh, yep, we said sorry, let's just move on, mm. it's actually not what reconciliation is about. If you actually look at truth-telling and you look at, um, and I talked to this in our last panel, and, and you look at um, Makarata, for example, it is actually about truth-telling. It is about sitting with the truth and understanding the truth, but it is then about, where you move forward mm-hmm. and, and that's reconciliation and, and is that something that we do together or is there a higher onus on um on on non-indigenous people in australia to take up that challenge and say what can we do it's an interesting question <clears throat> excuse me um I believe it's a journey that we have to have it together. So if we're truly to move forward together, it's a united journey. It's a combined and collaborative effort. But it is about everybody having a voice. It's about everybody being in that journey together. What I would say, though, is fear of getting it wrong, fear of not understanding Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander um, ways of doing and being and perspectives, knowledge, histories, et cetera, is no longer an excuse mm. that's, that's 
valid. Um, so for people to say, oh, I didn't want to get it wrong or I don't understand or I've never worked with an Aboriginal person, you probably don't know that you have, you know, yeah. you look at me, fair-skinned Aboriginal person, um, 90% of people don't know unless I disclose that I'm mm. of Aboriginal heritage and have deep links to my country. Mm. Um, so for me, it, it's about reconciliation being that absolute truth telling it's not about judgment it's not about one singular person or persons being accountable and responsible but it's about actually then giving everybody a voice as we go forward because that's part of the problem with the history of Australia is is that mm. voices and choices and and um, decision making at the table was taken away from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people so mm. reconciliation means actually invoking those things and returning those things to those peoples. Mm. And if someone's sitting with that fear of getting it wrong and there might be people out there listening to this who are thinking that that's me, what can you do as an individual to get over that? And is it about taking accountability for self-learning, self-awareness? Is it about taking action? What's the most effective thing that an individual can do if they're afraid of getting it wrong? I think there's uh, all of the things that you mentioned there, Kat, uh, are very valuable. It is about accountability. It is about um, just as if you wouldn't go into another community, you wouldn't go off for a trip to Italy, you wouldn't go for a trip to France without doing your research. And I know that's fairly, you know, granular and small, but you wouldn't go to somebody else's country and not actually do the work to Mm. try and understand a little bit of language, a little bit of culture, custom, et cetera. Um, That's the commencement of the journey. This is everybody's Australia. Mm-hmm. It is a very blended and, and beautifully diverse um, makeup of, of our national community. Um, it's really important that we open our eyes and we actually start to learn about the diverse cultural makeup of, of our nation. Um, it is about being accountable and going out there and, and reading the paper, going beyond, you know, the six o'clock news. It is about looking at what is happening in the contemporary political environment. And it is more importantly, if, if you are thinking about the aspects of climate change and um, how you can actually be a part of that, think about the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander responsibility and, and um, cultural practice of caring for country. And um, to actually care for country and to care for one another, you're already on that journey so be open Mm. to a journey of of cultural competence Mm, mm. I love how you just put it at care for country and care for one another I mean that would cross over all human beings and the planet I mean if we could just do that all together like problem solved you know we could put diversity in corner diversity inclusion in the corner and just move to care for one another and care for this country and I, I think that would be so much more motivating than than some of the practices we've had in the past Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think it's interesting that we've we've touched on almost something that we spoke about in March. So you and I have had a conversation in March around International Women's Day, and we were sitting on a panel with four or four four or five amazing men, and those men said we don't think we should be here in an International Women's Day conversation. We don't think we should be on this panel because why do we have a voice about gender equality? And um, it just makes me think that we've got this same thematic going on, that we've created these groups of people who think they do and don't have voices on a topic. Um, and how damaging is that to progress? You know, you, you mentioned voices and choices. Well, if we take voices and choices away from men in the gender equality conversation, if we take voices and choices away from people in talking about reconciliation, it's just so damaging, not unifying. And I find that 
really problematic about the sort of past ways of doing inclusion in this country. I would agree with you. And I take nothing away from the cultural aspects of uh, men's business and women's business in, mm. in the, you know, in, in the way in which that is. But what people don't realise um, from our cultural practices is everybody in the community, and I mean everybody in the community, um, voices are heard. Everybody is looked after and cared for. Um, a, a colleague of mine talks about if, if one person goes out to hunt, mm. everybody gets fed. And that, and that analogy of everybody's taken care of and everybody's heard um, mm. is so critical to it. And one of the things that I think is deeply important is that reverence and that honour and that acknowledgement of women and of men and the roles that they play and all the broader community, mm. whatever that intersectionality looks mm. like. And, you know, as we talked about, an individual isn't defined by being a male or a female, isn't defined by being Indigenous, non-Indigenous, isn't defined by being a, a, a he, him or a she, her or, mm. or any of those things. If we remove that and we go back to that, that thinking around um, acknowledging and honouring all that comes from each individual, we actually can step out of some of the harshness and the, the judgment or even self-judgment or, or doubt that individuals are having. And some of the things that I think is um, so deeply important around um, men being allies in the journey of women and, and vice versa mm. is, is that people are actually, again, opening themselves to being more diverse in the perspective that they take, but they're also then listening to others. Mm. And, mm. again, we come back to that ability to mm. actually learn from one another and that mm. ability to actually bring each other on the journey with love and support. Absolutely. I just I love this concept of reverence and honour because I hear too often people, even without realising, talk about <laughs> men versus Sorry. women. That's all right. We're inclusive of all, all, all living human beings. Um, you know, you hear that verses creep into languaging and there is nothing honouring when you start to talk about men versus women, black versus white. When you hear this language, you go, that is a battlefield. That is taking rights away from each other. There is nothing unifying about that. And I think people have gotten confused in the discussion to say it is almost like we're not honouring the differences. We're not saying that there aren't different people if there are multiple different genders let's honor all of them like why you even say it's men versus women I mean that in itself excludes people who identify differently but if we could let people stand in their own shoes and pick their own identity and then we honor the difference what a different mm. conversation that is yeah and it's really nice isn't it yeah it's fantastic it would solve so many issues in this country if we could get that right and I Beautiful. wish we could create more spaces for people telling their own stories so that you could just listen with the intent of learning. And, you know, I would love our listeners to do that with these conversations, just learn about other people and get that perspective and, and then figure out what do I do with that knowledge? Where do I go now that I've learned something? I hope that um, that listening would also provoke them to go out and learn more. Mm. 
go and read that book, listen to that podcast, um, look at what's happening in, you know, the, the broader perspective um, mm. of the news, the contemporary, what's happening on the other side of the globe, not just what's in front of you um, mm. in, in your own neighbourhood, but yeah. equally what is the breadth and depth of the diversity in your own neighbourhood and how do you embrace that and, and lift and support others because it's been a really, you know, it's been a really challenging year or two. Mm. Um, it, it's a long road to recovery. Um, mm. Both, you know, emotionally, um, emotionally and fiscally for mm. for the nation. But if you talk emotionally and psychologically, there's a lot of people who really will benefit from that sense of community, that sense of neighbourhood. There's been a, a large level of isolation for people, absolutely. Um, and to to live, continue to live like that's really quite destructive. Mm. Mm. And it, it's forced people to look for connection and maybe they can be connections True. that cut across those labels. Like we now understand that it's not important, you know, what the labels are, but if you're feeling isolated at the moment, connecting with another human being will be a warm and caring step to take and will, you know, be a bridge, not a point of difference. Yeah. And I certainly um, can reflect and say that, that's personally been um, really important for me just over mm. this this shorter period where we've started to come out of lockdown and, and the like. But I've, I've noticed people um, aren't taking some of those simple pleasures and some of those um, very important things that, that we have in terms of our own societal freedoms and, and opportunities. They're not taking them so much for granted, which is um, yeah. a, a very positive byproduct of, of a really couple of challenging years that we've had mm. and the challenges ahead mm, mm, absolutely so looking to next year if you could fix a few things where would where would you begin oh, good question um well i've changed jobs so as you as you know i was with the university of sydney and mm -hmm. i've taken up um what is a, a really unique and an amazing opportunity with deloitte um, and we're building a new Indigenous um, services group there. Um, the next year for me is around um, growing and learning from the, the next leaders that are in my space, particularly yeah. uh, Indigenous leaders that I'm now fortunate to work with in this space. But I think our, our approach is around capacity building and um, options and, and really choice for our mm. small to medium Indigenous businesses. So mm -hmm. for us, it's around how do we actually start to shift the imbalance between corporates, industry, government and who they work with. So rather than just working with the big four, we want to bring a number, a large number, if we can, yep. of uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander businesses um, into that frame and for mm. their talent and their capability and their, their tenacity to shine. Um, yep. And we want to see them thrive. So unlike other big four and take nothing away from any, any others, um, what we're looking to grow is empowerment, self intergenerational self-sustainability and economic participation for our First Nations individuals and communities and really flipping the dial on how they come in to, to be part yeah. of some of these amazing short, medium and long-term opportunities um, and how we'll support and, and mentor them through that journey as safe hands. So that's one of the big challenges. The other challenge that lays ahead is to look at 
where government and industry and others have been um, setting up programs and employment opportunities and participation opportunities for First Nations peoples and communities and where some of that's really fallen down and there's not a pathway yeah. and um, some of the what was you know really amazing thinking and dynamic ways of really you know doing this in the best way have fallen short right. um, and how we move beyond Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people you know completing high school they're now out doing their non-Indigenous peers they're they're talented but their journey to leadership isn't always linear and mm. to bring to shine a light on that and to support others to recognize um, the depth and diversity but also the talent that exists yeah um, I think that's an important role that I can play I think many people don't walk a linear line um, but we don't True. tend to acknowledge that and and it's even less linear for many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people but if we could open up that understanding that it doesn't have to be linear that would help all human beings in this country at this moment I would suggest I know my son is walking much less than a linear line post high school and that's quite okay but you know there's a lot of people who look and go oh why didn't you go straight from high school to uni it's like Come on, there are many pathways for people. Um, yeah. I love what you've described because there are many organisations that focus on setting up a new business and it's about that business's success and those people's success. But what I heard you say is you're really setting up sort of like a, a beacon that's going to pull and lift other businesses and people and communities along. So you've got this incredible opportunity sitting within Deloitte, but it's not just about your group. It's actually about lifting so many others. And that has just got um, this exponential way of helping and lifting other businesses, individuals um, yeah. in this journey. That's amazing. I'm so That's proud of you. Thank That's you. awesome. And I love that you've now gone You've done defence, tertiary, big corporate. Like, I'm not sure that there are any sectors left for you to explore. But oh, look, there's still um, challenges to be had, Kat. And um, I'm I'm genuinely in a deep learning phase at this point in time, um, which is is both scary and fun and amazing all at once. Um, I, I've had the benefit of so many amazing um, leaders, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous. Um, my time at the University of Sydney was deeply valuable. Um, I honour and treasure um, that time. Um, but I think it's also part of, you know, that next step and, and, and where you take that and what you do with it. So I'm deeply fortunate to now be working um, with more amazing people mm -hmm. um, and spending all the, the time listening and learning. All right. Well, I reckon in a year's time, I want to check in with you and, and see where you've gone, but I'm absolutely Sounds certain great. that you're going to conquer this challenge. And um, thank you for inspiring so many people both today in this conversation and in the work that you do. I just think you're an amazing person. Thanks, Kat. Lovely thanks. to speak to you today. Thanks, Beck. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love for you to get involved in challenging the conversation. Send us your thoughts at info at and don't forget to follow us, A Human Agency, on Instagram, LinkedIn and Facebook. Mm -hmm.